On this episode of the Bullpen Card, it is a solo pod. That's right, it is just me, Jordy Cannell. Could not get Maddie D or Greg to hop on. They're a little busy with their respective wedding plans. Greg's getting married in about a month. Matt's getting married in a few months. They're both uh, in the final countdown, we'll put it that way. So just me. Talking baseball, it's been a little while. We go through some hot and cold teams, do a big Phillies talk, look at the schedule coming up for a lot of different teams. Nationally wild cards heating up. The five to six teams in the American League are, haven't really changed since the last time we talked, but things are really getting interesting there. Uh, but we'll jump through everything. We look at, at where everybody's standing. But let me know what you guys think in the comments thunder blg is where you want to follow us on twitter shoot us a dm or just tweet at us thunderblog sports on instagram and facebook just like the website thunderblogsports.com search the bullpen card on itunes stitcher spotify podcoin wherever you get your podcasts leave us a five-star review you will get a shout out and make sure to hit that subscribe button but here we go guys the september pennant chases are really heating up and here we go Welcome to this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com, the namesake of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Solo pod tonight. It's been a while since we last did a bullpen card. Football season's gotten underway. We're focusing on that. Both Matt and Greg are celebrating their various bachelor parties this weekend. Greg's already celebrating it, so I hope that's going well. Bummed I'm missing that, because I'm going on Matty D's. His brother scheduled it before Greg's, so going on that early tomorrow. But he's entertaining his brothers who are home from out of town before we head out to the mystery location. I know where it is. I think Matt might, but in case he's listening to this on the way out, Matt, I don't want to blow anything for you. So, mystery location. Anyway, uh, tried to get some other co-hosts on here. Couldn't totally line up some things. Third and Girl was going to try to hop on. She doesn't feel totally comfortable talking baseball. She really likes the solo pods. I go back and forth. Let me know what you guys think. Tweet at Emily. Tweet at third and girl. Third underscore and underscore girl. Let her know she's awesome on the podcast. Let me know what you guys think of these solo pods. Because like I said, I go back and forth. Sometimes I think they're good. Sometimes I don't think I bring all the energy. So any vote of uh, confidence from you guys, the listeners, the people who make this all possible. And the reason why I do it will obviously make you feel great. But like I mentioned, it's been a while since we did a bullpen cart. It's been two weeks since Greg and I hopped on and talked a number of different things. And let's jump right into it. We'll go in the American League because not a lot is different in the last two weeks. Except for Minnesota kind of bridging a little bit of a gap with Cleveland. Cleveland's been a little hotter, especially this week. They've won four straight. Uh, Probably going to be the team I hand hot team of the week two in the AL. uh, Despite the fact that Tampa Bay has been white hot at eight and two in their last 10. Cleveland's Seven and three, they've won four of their last ten, and they're right in it in their division race. They are currently a game or a half a game behind Oakland for the second wild card, keeping themselves in it. And you know, it's it's a lot of the same stuff that we've that we've talked about with the Cleveland Indians. Their earned run average is third in Major League Baseball. Their pitching staff has been great, but they're batting. 
still needs to find itself. They're right in the middle of the road. Their better players are still right up there. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a plateau that they're in, but right now it's working for them. So I I really want to see what this team does going down the stretch to figure out how to position themselves into a playoff position. Minnesota's really outperformed themselves recently, and now they come into Cleveland. The Minnesota Twins do this weekend for a pivotal three-game series. So if that goes Cleveland's way, maybe we see Cleveland a little closer, maybe three games, maybe even just a game if they go out and sweep and sweep the uh, Twins there. Then they host the Tigers and Phillies next week. So they have some opportunity to do some real damage before uh, heading out on the road for the rest of the season. So we'll see where the Cleveland Indians go. Obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of talk in Cleveland. Browns didn't have the greatest week in the world, but now they face the Jets. But that's a different sport for a different time. Go listen to the Fun V Tailgate. Andy D and I talked about it a lot there. Other teams to throw out. I talked about the Rays. They are still in first place. They are white hot. And or first place in the wild card. Uh, but just a just a half a game above the Oakland A's. And that three-team race is one of the better stories in baseball. There's a lot of stuff in the National League that we're going to jump into and how crazy that wild card chase has turned into with all the different teams that are hanging out there and the Mets sweeping Arizona and all that good stuff. But Tampa Bay, staying in the American League, is Cleveland but a step up. Their pitching staff has been awesome. Their hitting is clutch, I'll put it that way. They're also in the middle of the road, but they've scored even less runs than the Indians have, which is... Incredible to see. They've only scored 697, which actually ties Cleveland. But they, in the division that they play in against the Yankees, the Red Sox, who have scored a ton of runs, but now have virtually played themselves out of everything. I don't think they're officially eliminated. But the Red Sox pitching staff has really gone down the tubes. But the amount of runs that have been scored against teams that they play 38 out of their 162 games in the Yankees and the Red Sox, you would think that... They would score, they would allow, rather, way more runs than just seven more than a Cleveland team who plays Detroit, Kansas City, and the White Sox, who all of whom aren't very good. Their offenses aren't anything really to write home about, except for a couple players here and there, like a Jorge Soler on the Royals. So the fact that the, that the Rays are able to hang on like this, they're able to stifle some of these teams in the East. Uh, I know that, that Baltimore... And Toronto aren't necessarily the greatest offenses in the world either, even though Jonathan Villar of the Orioles broke is the guy who hit the home run to break the single season Major League Baseball total. But still, what the Rays are doing is something to be impressed with there because it's it's awesome to see that, that this team who really, we Rays watched 2018 last year, and they came up just short. Obviously, the Yankees played the A's in the first round of the, in the wild card of the playoffs. Uh, and now, and now it seems like Tampa Bay is hanging on there. Like I said, they're a half a game up, eighty-seven and sixty, and tied with Oakland in the loss column, one game ahead of them. There, we'll see where this all goes. If it's Cleveland, Oakland, it, it'd be a real bummer to see Tampa Bay just on the outside looking in. I'm really hoping Rays watch twenty nineteen. Works out for us. I don't think they're catching up to the Yankees. They're nearly ten games back. They're nine and a half. Um, but in a, you know, it, it'd be fun. I, I'd like to see them host a game in that weird ass stadium, the Trop. Um, kind of crazy that the two of the three teams battling for it have 
two of the worst stadiums in baseball in, in Tampa Bay and Oakland. Um, Cleveland, obviously, is the all-star game, so we've seen a lot of that. So maybe Cleveland's the away team, and then the other team, the other one of those two teams of Tampa Bay or Oakland's the home team there. Maybe Tampa Bay-Cleveland in a interesting wild card game. Um, maybe even in game 163. Love to see that. Love to see more baseball. Let's jump over to the NL, though. Got to talk this whole race. Um, the Phillies right now, hopefully wrapping up that game against the Braves, who are probably still one of the hottest teams in the National League. That game is now wrapped up. 9-5 is the final in Philly. Uh, so the Phillies and Braves split their series, but that does not change how hot the Atlanta Braves have been in winning. Now it's it's still 8 of their last 10. Had to uh, let that reload for a second. But Atlanta is similarly to the Yankees. Nine games up on the Nationals, 14 and a half on the Mets, and 15 on the Phils. That's going to change to 14. It's not updated here on Yahoo, so uh, forgive me there. Uh, Working with the best that I can with live updates. But Phillies and Mets now tied. Uh, Just looking back, they're two games. Both of them are two games for that second wild card with the Cubs and Brewers tied there. They're both respectively two games behind the Nat, or actually three games behind the Nationals. Doing the quick math in my head, um, Nationals leading wild card one. Cubs and Brewers though, right, right in the chase with St. Louis in that NL Central. Similarly, the Cleveland, they're only four games back, both the Cubbies and the Brewers. Brewers sadly losing Christian Yelich this week. That's a huge bummer, not just for Milwaukee but for baseball. Yelich has been one of the more exciting guys for the last couple of years, not just last year where he won the MVP in his first year in Milwaukee, but he was great in Miami too, and he'd been awesome this year, and it's, it's real bummer that he's out for the year. Uh, really nasty foul ball off his knee. If you haven't seen it um, and you're, you, your stomach stours quick, I would maybe avoid it, but uh, if you like seeing that sort of stuff, go check it out. But talk a little bit more about Atlanta. Their offense really clicking. Uh, Washington's offense too has been has been pretty stellar. Uh, not too far behind the Braves' offense in terms of a clip now with how great their offense has been. But Greg and I have talked about how the Nationals' offense has stepped up when a lot of people weren't sure with losing Bryce Harper what was going to happen there. But now Atlanta top ten in a lot of categories, and you know. I think this might be that next step that they were looking to take last year. Obviously, they fall in the first round in the divisional series in a 3-1 series to the Dodgers. So we will see where this team goes because I think that it's they're putting themselves into a position where I think their pitching staff may not have the the gusto to match up with an L.A. Dodgers or or maybe even a St. Louis Cardinals with how good their pitching staff has been. I think certainly they have a better offense than than the Cardinals. But they certainly, they're just a, a tier below L.A. And I don't want to just jump into this is L.A.'s to lose, even though L.A.'s already clinched their division. And I'm trying to do quick math, but it would, it would take a little bit because they're only three and a half up on the Braves for best record in the National League. So that, that'll take a couple weeks to, to officially clinch home field in the winner of the wild card game. But thinking about the Braves and where they go and seeing them live was at the Phillies-Braves, the third game, the 
game the the second game the Phillies lost in the split four game series. They have this offense that really anywhere on their lineup, and a lot of guys have been on and off the IL and have heated up at different aspects. But if they're all clicking, and you can see it with Freeman, you can see it obviously with Acuna, you can see it with Albies. But guys like Dansby Swanson, who's bad in eighth last night, and really he's come off the IL. It's been a little slow to, to regain form. But if he finds that in these last couple weeks in September, you know, we only got two weeks. We have three total weekends left in the regular season. So really it's time to step up here. But it looks like Atlanta's going to get in. I think this is a time that these guys that are coming off the IL are going to figure their stuff out. And this might be a situation where, say they play St. Louis in the divisional series, LA plays the wild card winner. That's going to be a fun series. Two good pitching staffs. St. Louis's might be a little bit better, but I, their offense still, I don't trust it totally. I know they had a really slow start to the year, and they've been a lot better in the second half. And their pitching staff has been outstanding. One of the best in baseball. Uh, LA's is still better in the NL, but they're second best. And the Cardinals would give the Braves a really, a really good test in a five-game set. So... Who knows? We saw obviously what the Cardinals and good pitching did against the Phillies team in 2011 when they the last time the Cardinals won the World Series. So that'd be a really interesting series to, series to see. St. Louis absolutely has to hold on to it, uh, especially with the Cubbies right on their heel. The Cubs, the biggest the biggest problem with them, they've played looks like 71 home games. If I'm doing that math correctly, yeah. So they have they still have 10 home games left down down the stretch here. Yeah, they've played. 75, yeah. So the Cubs have a lot of home games, and they're very good at home. 47 and 24. St. Louis is pretty good, too. They're actually below 500, 500, as are the Cubs. The Cubs have been pretty bad. We've talked about that a lot. So the fact that both teams have a decent amount of home games in the NL Central, shifting over the focus there, um, gives an idea of where we're at. Um, The Brewers have played... The most home games, they have played 74 of them, and that gives them seven left, a little bit less than the Cubs and the the Cardinals. And I know I'd love to say, you know, they talked about on the Phillies-Braves broadcast tonight of how great would it be if this team rallied around the Yellish injury. Uh, I don't mean to be too negative on it because it's a really huge bummer. I mentioned a bummer for baseball fans everywhere that Christian Yelich has mentioned the rest of the season. I just don't see it. Um, But... Looking at the Cubs, looking at the Cardinals, they play each other seven times down the stretch here. Cubs about to start a huge homestand of 10 games to close out their home schedule. They play the Pirates, the Reds, and then next weekend, a huge four-game series against the Cardinals. Uh, And that's probably going to determine a lot of where we're seeing the Cubs coming out of it. They don't have to play the Brewers anymore, which is good because they just went up to Milwaukee and lost 3-4 last weekend there. But then they close out the season, go into Pittsburgh, and then a final series, three in St. Louis. So depending on how everything goes with the Cubbies, that series is going to be huge. One of those games is on Fox, the Saturday night game. Could be determining a a division here. It could be determining wild cards. It'll be very interesting to see there. Certainly something where if the Brewers are still in it, if the Phillies are, if the Diamondbacks still are, if the Mets are, that last six games of the Cubs being on the road, it really leaves a, it really leaves the door open because we've seen what the Cubs do on the road, and they really struggle there. They seem they scored ten runs twice on the road, but then on this road trip coming back for this huge home home stand, 
they only were able to muster out three wins and four losses, or five losses, excuse me. So, again, this 10-game homestand, huge, but the last six games for the Cubbies on the road, especially at St. Louis, very, very tough. Um, Mention Milwaukee, I don't want to totally write them off, but again, their pitching staff has been really variable. I know they've won seven in a row. Probably one of the hottest teams, but I could not give them the nod for hot team of the week over over Atlanta simply for the fact that they lost Christian Yelich, and that certainly takes a lot of steam out of their engines. And frankly, they played the Marlins. Um, I know, you know, I've complained about how the Phillies have stunk against the Marlins, but the Milwaukee Brewers should sweep the Marlins. And they did. They took care of it. Good for you. But your schedule doesn't necessarily bode the best. You have a even worse away record somehow than the Cubs. Or actually, yours is a little better. I'm looking at St. Louis's. But still, you play a lot of road games coming down the stretch um, against some quality opponents. Um, I just don't totally believe in the Brewers. Uh, Before I go into Phillies talk, I do want to talk some Mets because the Mets are a team that you thought when they got so hot at the end of July and start of August that that was going to maybe be the peak for them and that August was going to be this month. And then coming into September, they might not hold on to it. Not the case. The Mets offense has certainly held up their end of the deal and their pitching staff has been outstanding. Yes, they did They did lose two out of three at home to the Phillies this past weekend, including a wacky Sunday game, the longest nine-inning baseball game in Mets history, second longest in Phillies history. But how do they respond to it? They sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks, who coming into that series were right behind the Cubs for that second wild card spot. They were the, the first team looking in. They looked absolutely dominant. Two great pitching pitchers duels that the Mets pull out, and then two huge offensive nights, including Wednesday night, where the Mets won nine nothing. They scored nine runs with nine with eleven hits on nine eleven, and then the whole potential nine eleven custom apparel thing, which I don't really need to jump into. I think a lot of people are probably on the side of the Mets there of being able to wear nine eleven apparel. Major League Baseball being weird about clearing shit with them. Don't fuck around with that Major League Baseball. Let the Mets do it. The Mike Piazza hit, not only or home run, not only is iconic, just as iconic as George Bush's throw at the 2001 World Series, but it's also on his Hall of Fame plate. Just don't fuck around with the with any New York team with 9-11 stuff. I think that's a stupid idea. Um, more on that when I get to the Phillies and, and the 9-11 tribute and how powerful that was. But staying on the Mets, the fact they've won four in a row, they host the Dodgers, I think that bodes pretty well for them. Uh, I know the Dodgers are, are a buzzsaw. They go on the road, and they can really beat up on teams. Um, but I I have a feeling the Mets are going to be are going to shock this team a little bit. They're a team who haven't really gone away, and it's been something that they battled with their division rivals. They can put up runs when they need to. They can have these outstanding pitching matchups and outstanding pitchers outings when they need to. They figure out ways to get this done, and their bullpen has been better than when they really stunk earlier in the year. Um, This is probably the matchup of the weekend of Mets-Dodgers in Queens, but I'm I'm thinking the Mets might be able to pull two out of three here. Uh, They go on the road. They got to play in Colorado and Cincinnati before a seven-game homestand to close it out, including three against the Braves, something where the Braves, if they've really clinched this up, they've sealed maybe getting home field for that second round or for the uh, divisional series. Maybe the Braves aren't really throwing things. 
that might bode well, very well for the Mets of, of having to play the Marlins for four. Like I said, if you're not the Philadelphia Phillies, you're probably doing well against the Marlins and you should be beating them. And then if the Braves are phoning it in, who's to say that they can't go out and sweep or do at least at least win two out of three? So the Mets are certainly not done yet. Um, it pains me to say that as, as one of the teams that I really dislike, one of my, you know, the arch rivals of one of my favorite teams, but they're certainly not out of this and they have one of the easier schedules, especially with a number of home games left, unlike the Phillies. And let's jump over to some Phillies talk. Um, it's been a interesting run, frustrating run for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, they won tonight. They split a series, a crucial four game series with Atlanta. The second to last time they'll play them, the last time in Philadelphia, they go to Atlanta next week for a three-game set. But the Phils came into September. It looked like they were coming in hot. They won two out of three up in New York last week. They, After winning two games, two convincing wins in, in Cincinnati, they have this real shitty loss on Wednesday. Another crap NOLA start. And then it looks like they're going to come back into it. They get it. JT Real Munto hits a home run, tie it up, and then the bullpen really really pisses it away. Uh, in the eighth inning, they lose 8-5. Same thing on Thursday. You could still take three of four, really piss away that game. Uh, three straight losses that really stink. Um, the Phillies now winning. They now have gone to just above one game above 500 in their last 17 games. They are 9-8, and eight, but they were 8-8, eight and eight, and... While they had some streaks going, they've gotten to this point where they really can't figure out how to put something together. A lot of inconsistency with the rosters expanding, not really figuring out how to utilize that to their advantage, especially on the bullpen end. It's a with great power comes great responsibility type situation with Gabe Kapler where he loves to use the bullpen and he loves to see... You know, experiment with different guys. But what I saw tonight in this is that he used some of his dudes that he relies to, some of which I really disagree and, and some of which I've, I've been happier with, like a Hector Nieres who had a nice four-out save. And even though the Phillies pulled away from it, he came in and really closed it out in the, in the top of the eighth inning for him. And then the Phillies scored three runs to, uh, to pull it away. But used Jose Alvarez right before that. That's a guy who... I've been shaky with throughout the season. Um, I've seen him with a few eh, starts or uh, pitching appearances, I should say. But he gets a hold there. His, uh, you know, he. It's been weird. There's the whole thing. If you haven't seen this, go look up Dallas Keuchel talking about the Phillies front office and kind of throwing a little shade at them that the Phillies never went and checked them out. Uh, it pains it's it pains me as a Phillies fan to hear that kind of stuff. Not because you know that I think he's wrong or anything like that. Because he is right. The Phillies needed to go out and get a starter. They needed to address some issues on the pitching staff. You thought they did it with the bullpen, and David Robertson gets hurt right away. He may not have even been ready to start. He looks so shaky, and then he's been shut down for a while. Tommy Hunter hasn't even thrown a pitch for the Phillies at all this year. Pat Neshack had the whole, I'm not ready to go, even though I haven't pitched in a couple days thing. So it's been uh, it's been tough, and I've had this huge love-hate relationship with the, Phil- with the Phillies' bullpen. Um, it looked good tonight, and their bullpen's actually been good the last couple weeks. Uh, starters have been really shaky. 
They haven't had a guy go into the fifth inning in what feels like forever, and that that really needs to be addressed. Aaron Nola needs to have a couple really good starts to close out the year if the Phillies want to even have any sort of shot of getting into the postseason, especially if they get into the postseason. you got to think that Nola is the guy they hand the ball to in the wild card game. And at this point, it does look like that they would go to Washington unless Washington really screws something up here. Um, but before that, you, you, you got to look at their schedule. They get the weird off day on a Friday before hosting two with the Red Sox. Could bode well. The Red Sox have been really cold, really seeming to give up on the, on their season after firing Dave Dombrowski. Uh, so who knows how that's going to go. Weird that they have a Friday off because Atlanta goes and play and is going out to play. But then the Phillies have one of the hardest schedules closing out. Red Sox obviously have the offense to take advantage of the crap Phillies starters and inconsistent bullpen. But then the Phillies go out on the road. I mentioned they're in Atlanta for three. Then they're in Cleveland for three. Then they're in Washington for five to close out their road schedule. That's tough. They get Friday and Monday off. Monday's their last day off. Then within 10 days, they have 11 games. They have a five-game series that includes a doubleheader a week from Tuesday on the 24th. That's going to be pivotal. This whole thing is pivotal. Obviously, five against the Nationals. You can win if you win three of two, you win four of five, you win or three and two, you have four and one. I mean, you're putting yourself really into a position there. You host the Marlins at the end of the year. That has not gone well for you at all throughout the season playing the Miami Marlins. For whatever reason, the Phillies just cannot do anything against this team. Um, and if they do end up winning the series, it's probably going to be too little too late. Uh, so it's not looking great. For the Phils, I still believe. I still think this team can figure something out. Um, but I'd love to have the conversation with Greg. I'm sure he and I are going to revisit on everything next week. Let me know what you guys think. Because I think Bryce Harper eclipsing 100 RBI. He's had the most outfield assists in his year. I've been pretty happy with it. I know last night he grounded into a double play with the bases loaded. Dallas Keuchel was really feeling his slider, his changeup, his splitter. Matt was upset, going, you don't get paid $330 million for this. I get that. I get he's getting paid a lot of money. We all know that. But you know what? There's no salary cap. I don't care how much money he's getting paid. He hit the walk-off Grand Slam. You know he's able to do it. He's going to have a couple of those moments. He has a, he normally is great with runners in scoring position. The rest of the offense has to be better, too. And tonight they were. Nine of those... 9-5 nine, win... And seven of those runs were batted in by other guys that weren't named Bryce Harper or JT Romuto until JT Romuto's two-run homer in the eighth inning. That's awesome. That's what you want to see out of this team. That's what we saw early on in the year when the team was doing great, pre-Andrew McCutcheon injury. That's what we need to see out of this team. We need to see them step up big. Because as much as you want to say all of that on the 3-1 loss is on Bryce Harper, Guess what? The three runs that got put up for Zach Eflin, all unearned because because Gene Segura had a fielding error. You want to say grounding out with a double play. It's not great. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make it the best excuse saying, oh, you know, protect Bryce from blaming things, even though he also made an unreal outfield assist to keep it a 2-1, a 2-1 deficit towards the end of that game. You gotta keep everybody else accountable too in that, especially when the fielding was really the blunder there. Yeah, the offense could have been a lot better, but when a guy like Keuchel's dealing, 
you got to take a step back and look at those words that Keiko was talking about with that the the Phillies could have looked at at him and instead go out and pick up Drew Smiley and trade for Jason Vargas to add lefties for their starters. Don't really address the bullpen. You got to look at that sort of stuff. It's frustrating to see. I know I've talked about it a lot before. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm talking about the Phillies for too long and I know that Greg and, and a few other people, you know, they you know like to hear about the other stuff going around baseball as well. So I'll I'll, I'll end with that. It's going to be interesting to see what, the, what they do against the Red Sox. And then probably this time next week when Greg and I revisit the bullpen cart and continue, and, you know, get ready to ramp up towards the end of the year. Um, who knows how depressed I might be in that three-game series in Atlanta. But I think hopefully the, the build confidence closing out the year, regardless if they make the playoffs or not, I still believe. I know I'm not going to win my 90-game bet, but I still believe that the Phillies are going to have a shot and get in. Get into the playoffs. Crazier things have happened. But let's move on. I want to... I don't want to go into players. I know we haven't done it in a while. Um, I want to give a couple shout-outs. I'm not going to do hot and cold players because for those that are newer, Greg and I, the last couple years, towards the end of the year, we ditched players, and we have recently, but we start to ramp up and talk about awards and start to give out our picks for awards. But I do want to give some shout-outs for the last week because there are guys who have been tearing the cover off the ball like an Austin Meadows down in, down in Tampa Bay. Marcus Simeon's been doing it great for, for Oakland with Merrifield over in Kansas City. But there's guys too like Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. You see why their team is doing so well with an MVP type of candidate. I mentioned some of the pitching. You see Garrett Cole just being absolutely dominant. Max Freed for Atlanta has been great. Steven Strasburg for the Washington Nationals. I didn't even talk about the Nationals starting staff because that's really been a huge part of it too. With Corbin, with Strasburg, who's getting up there for a career high in innings pitched for his year, or for his career rather. And obviously Max Scherzer, who is, uh, despite spending some time on the IL, is having himself an awesome year. Um, I myself, I love to see the 300 strikeout club expand. I want to. I am keying right in on Garrett Cole to see that. But I wanted to give a couple of sh- a couple shoutouts there because I think that's worth talking about and you know giving acknowledge to because I know we haven't talked about players and the guys that have been doing really well in a couple weeks. But um, watching that, watching the batting title with now Jeff McNeil not in first anymore and seeing where other guys have been. Um, I don't know what would happen. Christian Yelich is going to finish the year with a 329 batting average. If Kettle Marte and Anthony Rendon fall below him and Brian Reynolds, Jeff McNeil, all the other guys are hanging out there. If they don't eclipse Yelich, I don't, I don't know if he still gets it. I know there's, I think he's, I think he would still qualify because it's, I know it's team games played, uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there again, just a huge loss to see that happen. Um, mentioned the Major League Baseball as a league single-season home run record being broken. Um, Jonathan Villar of the Baltimore Orioles breaking that on Wednesday night. Um, just an incredible moment to see. Kind of funny that it comes from a guy in Baltimore. But uh, mentioned 9-11. You saw a lot of those, those tributes going out throughout baseball. Uh, talked about the Mets a little bit. I did want to talk about that with the Phillies. One last Phillies thing, but this is more, more a 9/11 thing than it is a Phillies. So that's why I separated the two. But went to the game. It was first responders' night, as you might imagine, for September 11th, honoring the 18th anniversary of the terrorist attacks. And it was a pretty powerful moment. They uh, 
bring out members of the Philadelphia Police Department, Philadelphia Fire Department, and uh, the U.S. Armed Forces carrying flags in the different states. The U.S. flag, obviously, you know, doing the color guard and all that. They do God Bless America with a trumpet player. They do America the Beautiful with a great singer there. And then they have a member of, I believe, the Navy sing the national anthem. Um, it was just a, a really touching tribute to a, you know, one of the more horrific events in you know, our, you know my lifetime, certainly, and, and in American history. And it's crazy to think about that it's 18 years. And there's now legal adults who were babies when that happened. Um, my sister was only three, and I doubt she remembers that day. Um, you know, a lot of emotion there. I don't want to dive into it too much because I'll probably start tearing up thinking about it a little more. It was a very powerful moment for me because of personal stuff. Um, but I, I did want to touch on that because it was it was pretty cool. And the Mets scoring nine runs with 11 hits, seeing 9-11 on their you know, final line score was a pretty cool way to cap off, cap it all off. And uh, you know, then see all the Major League Baseball news. I, I know I talked about it before, but come on. Don't mess with the Mets. Don't mess. Especially when that, that scene is so iconic of the Piazza home run. Don't mess with it. But let's jump over. Uh, I don't really have a stadium snack. I ate before the game down there. Had my share of beers. Um, I did want to talk some bleacher creatures, though, because I have some. I'll start with some in baseball, and then I have a few others outside of the realm of baseball. Um, but the, there's a couple that I wanted to mention, and one of which is that the Houston Astros, if you haven't seen the your, the Alvarez hit, he's the first Astro to ever hit a, a ball into the third deck in right field. And this, this ball looks like he, it looks like he hit it with an aluminum bat. Go look up the gif of it. There's a tweet that MLB memes threw out from Julie Morales that shows both the seat that the ball hit as well as the view from that seat. They've painted the seat orange. The view of it looks like you're that the old joke of Chase Stadium, you're, you're sitting higher than where the planes of LaGuardia were landing. It looks like it's that high up. I mean, the, go watch this hit. It's incredible. Um, the other one I wanted to mention, almost you know, more is just... Kind of a funny headline. A baseball fan claims his wife stabbed him for watching the Washington Nationals too much. Um, weird scenario there. Um, obviously don't want to make too much light of, of any sort of domestic dispute stuff, especially with a lot of other things that are going on across sports and, and different headlines. But a weird, weird headline to see. Um, he identifies himself as Bobby from Fairfax County. And he claimed to be phoning in from his hospital bed. But a weird headline to pop up with that sort of thing. Um, a couple others that I wanted to mention. And Matt and I meant to talk about this on the Fun V Tailgate. We didn't really, we didn't dive too much into his experience at the, at the home opener. Because we talked about it. He talked about the Eagles a lot in his one pick. For those that don't listen to the Fun V Tailgate, we do picks. We usually get, a, or we're trying to get guest pickers. And the first two have been... They've sent in our picks, and we've just read them off. But one of Matt's picks is the Eagles over the Falcons. Talked about the Eagles' first game, and we talked about it a little bit. But we didn't really dive into the first game, his experience there. And I'll save that for the next – or I'll save asking him for his experience for the next show. But I didn't want to talk about the whole Mike Scott situation. And I know at this point it's Thursday night, and it's been five days since this whole thing happened. But for those that don't know, 
Mike Scott gets traded to the Sixers this past year, instantly becomes a folk hero, becomes one of the city's favorite players, and re-signs with the team. Everybody's super pumped. There's the Mike Scott hive. He's coming to be the special guest at the Rice Ricky Sanchez live show. Third and Girl and I are going to that in a couple weeks. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, this guy could not be more beloved by Sixers fans, and he goes to the, to the Eagles game this past Sunday. He's from Virginia. He's wearing the Redskins gear. I have zero problem with that. I love seeing our different players repping their hometowns. I uh, love the fact that Bryce Harper chirps the Flyers as a big uh, Vegas Golden Knights fan. Thank you there. Um, and the fact that he did that when he was in Washington when the Capitals played the Knights in the finals. I love that sort of stuff. But the situation is he goes up to a tailgate that has a coffin with a Redskins jersey on it, and he sees it, he thinks it's funny, and it is funny. And he goes up, and these douchebags that are hosting the tailgate must have been too drunk. I don't really want to give any excuses for these douchebags. They're fucking douchebags. They give Mike Scott all this sort of shit, and they try to fight him, and Mike Scott drops one dude. Awesome moment to see him dropping a guy. But these fucking assholes... Decide to try to fight a dude. Of course, people in you know across the you know across national media say, "Oh, classic Philly, all this stuff." What pisses me off about it are different guys on local media being like, "Oh," and different fans too have said this too. He should know what he's getting into wearing a Redskins jersey to the Eagle tailgate. Fuck you, fuck you for saying that kind of stuff. Let him do that. That's why we love Mike Trout for coming to Eagles games in his shit. I would be more pissed off than seeing Mike Trout at a fucking St. Louis Rams game wearing Rams gear. I love the fact that he shows up in Eagles gear in the city that he plays fucking baseball in. I could give two shits that he decided that he decided to sign with LA, get paid, good for you. I'm glad you're making a lot of money, Mike Trout. But I love the fact that you're an Eagles fan and you rep that. You rep your home city. I hope that if the Sixers make the finals, you fucking come. Root our boys on, because I know you're from South Jersey. You are a Philly guy through and through. Same with the Flyers, if they ever figure out their fucking shit. But fuck these people for saying Mike Mike Scott should know better. And all this bullshit. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him go to the fucking game and support his team. Kevin Hayes talks about how he's going to go to the the Patriots-Eagles game in Patriots gear. Let him fucking do that. He's from Boston. Listen to five words that he says, and you'll hear the fucking Boston accent come out of him. Let him be fans from the cities that they're from. Don't fucking say, you come to Philly, you need to be a fan of our four fucking teams. Shut the fuck up. And anybody that says the... He shouldn't go around to tailgates. Why shouldn't he? He loves us. He loves walking around. He took a picture in front of Hive over on, I think it's uh, on Tasker Street, right on Broad. He's like, oh man, this is my place because the Mike Scott Hive, if you don't know what that is, that's a, the Mike Scott, basically the Mike Scott fan club, but go look it up on Twitter. Hashtag Mike, Mike Scott Hive. Hashtag say the name. Rice Ricky Sanchez. Cannot wait for the live, the live Ricky. This had me pretty fired up and I'm bummed I couldn't talk to Greg about this because I'm sure he would have brought it up. Uh, Greg, if you want to talk about it next week, we can certainly dive back into it. But fuck those people for being douchebags to Mike Scott and fuck people, the people that are saying he should know better because fuck you. Anyway, (laughs) the last thing of Bleacher Creatures I wanted to bring up that I think is hilarious, and I saw this tonight, and for those of you that have missed this, um, go check it out because... 
it would be awesome if this actually happened. But Bang Bros, who, if you've never heard of Bang Bros, um, probably don't have a dirty mind, so good for you. Bang Bros produces pornography. They're obviously a, a fairly prominent company because they have submitted in a $10 million bid for the naming rights to the Miami Heats arena. Uh, American Airlines has their contract, whatever, you know, their deal with naming rights to the arena apparently has expired and the Heat are now looking for new new naming rights. And Bang Bros has has put in a $10 million bid to, to name the arena the Bang Bros Center, the BBC. I really hope this happens. Not just because it's funny to see porn. Actually, no, it would be hilarious to see Bang Bros Center out there and have them named after a porn company. I think it'd be absolutely hilarious to see Marv Albert say, Evening, we're out here in front of Bang Bros Center. This terrible Marv Albert impression. I'm sorry, Marv Albert. I'm sure you're listening, but I do think it'd be funny to hear him say that or like Stephen A on first take flipping out. The Bang Bros are banging around, dunking balls or something crazy like that. But, but anyway... If the Belkins can have Smoothie King Arena, why can't Bang Bros have the Miami Heat? I think it mixes their great. There's something about heat, porn. You can fill that in if you can't because you don't have a dirty mind. Good for you. Good for you not having a dirty mind. But wrapping things up, I know I mentioned a couple good series that are out there. I know this is going to be a shorter episode, but I did want to talk some baseball with you guys because it's been a while. Um, yeah, the, the Mets-Dodgers is one that you definitely got to keep an eye out for this weekend because that... Dodgers have already clinched up their division, and obviously that's going to be pretty important. The Mets are still battling, but they're still looking for home field, and the Mets could really make a statement of showing, hey, rest of the National League, we're not going quietly into the night here. We are fighting our way into the, we're clawing our way through the best teams. The Phillies don't get a chance to do that. The Braves don't get a chance to do that. Um, the other one, Milwaukee and St. Louis, out in St- out at Bush Stadium. That's going to be huge for obvious reasons with how close the NL Central is. Uh, in the American League, you got some interesting series, but a lot of uh, weird matchups to say the least. Minnesota, Cleveland being the one, the big one. Um, the Yankees go up to Toronto. Um, Toronto's really fucking falling off a cliff, so Yankees should do pretty well there. Uh, the Astros are in Kansas City, same sort of scenario. Uh, the Red Sox are in Philly. I mentioned that before. It'd be very intriguing to see what goes goes on there. I wouldn't imagine to see too many, too much to shake up. I know all these teams that are in the playoff hunt are actually all on the road. Oakland's in Texas, Tampa Bay's in LA. Um, but I, I can't imagine seeing too much that gets gets shaken out there. Uh, but let me know what you guys think because I'm really intrigued to hear how everybody thinks the season's going to wrap up. Uh, shorter episode, um, a couple other things I would have wanted to talk about with M, like we just watched The Challenge, uh, the third episode of the new season. Pretty crazy ending there, so if you watch that, uh, tweet at me, let me know what you think, because uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but whoa, what an ending there. Um, and anything else, new Survivor cast is out, which is fun to see. Flyers re-signed Ivan Provorov, finally, he was restricted free agent, I'm excited for that. Um NHL 20 comes out tomorrow. There's a lot of different stuff that's, that's coming out. There was a new trailer for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, a big game I'm looking forward to that's coming out in 2020. Uh, a lot of different trailers coming out. Love video games. I think I've talked about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, make sure you follow us, Thunderball Sports. 
Thunderbolts.com, Thunderbolts Sports on Instagram, Twitter, it's ThunderBLG. The Bullpen Cart, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcoin, wherever you get your podcasts, mash that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. Would have loved to give out some shout-outs here. Haven't gotten really any new reviews recently, so give us a five-star review. I'll give you a shout-out on the next solo pod, or even if it's me and Matt. Um, would love to come up with a good Schneck book ad, but uh, that's more Matty D's category. He's pretty good with the, with those. And Logan didn't really give me too much to uh, to work with outside of the one for the for the Fun V Tailgate. I'm mixing up my podcasts here, but hockey's almost back. Basketball's almost back. Football's heating up. Really excited for it. Make sure you follow me, Jordo9, on Twitter for Degenerate Jordy's Surefire 7. That'll be coming out Saturday morning. Um, and yeah, that's going to do it, guys. Again, leave a message in the comments. Let us know what you think. The Bullpen Cart, presented by Thunderblog Sports. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go Phils. Go Birds. Mike Scott Hive. Say the name. Let's go. <laughs>